If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Now, friends, we're not in a series tonight. Can you believe it? We're not actually preaching on a series. This is an open night. It's Father's Day, and uh, I can preach on whatever I like. And uh, so that is a very dangerous thing to ask me. And I thought to myself that tonight, maybe on Father's Day, that the best thing that we can speak about is the thing of being a man of God. And what it means to be a man made in God's image, a man of God. And all the ladies say, see, I knew it's actually for them uh, because it's so important just to speak on this topic. So now I know whenever I introduce a topic like that, there might be different reactions in the room. Ladies, some of you would say, at last. Someone is going to call the men in here to action. They're going to, Eugene, you've waited too long for this. You're going to tell them to step up, to grow up, to be better. Well, ladies, I'm going to disappoint you tonight. Sorry, that's not my agenda. Some of the men are maybe sitting here and thinking to, my, to themselves, thank the Lord. At last, Eugene is going to say, we can chill. So Girls, relax. I'm just a human. So you're going to be married to a human one day. I'm not Superman. I'm not a superhero. I'm also going to disappoint you guys tonight. Because what I want to do is to spend some time in Scripture to help you understand from a biblical perspective what it means to be a man of God, made in His image, to function as a man of God in this world And also to help us understand why this is so important for us to understand. So ladies, I hope this will help you. Uh, If you're going to raise boys one day, if you're going to get a a husband one day, you know what to look for. You know what to expect. And men, my prayer for you tonight is that you would walk out of here. um, And let me just say, many times when we speak about manhood in church, or if you've you've heard some topics, uh, a lot of of those content is, is fixed on the thing of men be better. You losers, pick up the pace, be better, grow up, you know, stand up, be a man. And that's not what I'm going to do tonight at all. What I am going to do, men, is I'm going to trust God that He will ignite within your manly heart a contentment of who He made you to be, And to actually start functioning in the fullness of your God-given identity as a man. Are you you with me tonight? Can I just see? Are you okay if we preach about this? Just show me a thumbs up. Um, I'm going to try my best. All right. (laughs) I am a man, so I am a a little bit not objective on this topic. But I'm going to try my best. So let me start out by saying, every man is born with maleness. Thank God. Anya, that was a revelation. Every man is born with maleness, but not every man is born with manhood. Two different things. You can be a male, but don't function in the calling of being a man or 
in your manhood. You see, manhood is something that is constructed throughout life. You grow in your manhood as a male. So there are incredible like opinions and a different opinions in the world on what it means to be the ideal man. There are so many opinions on social media, in books that we read, um, on your TikTok accounts. What does it mean to be a man, the ideal man? And it's as if the world is putting out there this picture of you as a man need to be not only a man, you need to be the ideal man. So here are some of the things that we need to be. Okay, we need to be strong, healthy. Okay, there I'm done. Okay, um, well-dressed. Okay, good-looking. Definitely not. Definitely, I mean. Uh, um, assertive, successful, rich, responsible, adventurous, and then you get some of these other voices that says men need to be nice, we need to tame them, they need to be good listeners, in touch with their feelings, romantic, they need to be a family man, they need to be a perfect father. So as men, we hear all of those messages all the time, this is what you need to be if you want to be a man. With all of that said, now you come to church, and now they tell you the following. Not only do you need to be all of that, you also need to be a super spiritual leader, a priest, a prophet, a king. You need to be able to lead your family spiritually. You need to be a solid uh, a leader in the church and in society. And uh, uh, men, how are you? How are you doing at that list so far? Any, any, anyone scoring high? No. Um, if you are, please come to me um, and tell me, then we can start a course that you can teach these men to be that. I don't know how you learn attractiveness, but God bless you. God bless you. Some of you just have these big ears, and it's given to you by God, and your mother likes it. Okay. Have you, listen here, have you ever met a man like that? Anyone? No. There is not a man on this planet that is described as all of those ideal things. Why? Because we're human. We have the genes of a bit of a daddy God, you know, we, we are just human. And here's the crazy thing. If you just think about it for a moment, all of these pressures from the outside, men experience it every single day. And what happens? How do you respond as a man to that kind of pressure, to those expectations? How do you handle that? How do you navigate being a man with, with all of these expectations on your life. So let's start with the first man, Adam. A very good uh, name to give to your son one day, Adam. It means man, a very spiritual meaning. Let's start with him. So God fashioned Adam out of the dust. Um, so if you ever thought, what am I made of? You're just dust, okay, grond. 
Um, yes, okay, so God formed him out of the dust. He breathed his life-giving breath into him. He's made in the image and likeness of God. He puts him in this incredible, beautiful garden to rule over it, to cultivate it, to tend to it. He said to Adam, you rule over nature. I put you here to be a ruler, to tend, to, to cherish, to protect, to grow what you have been entrusted with. And then God says, it's not good that you are alone. So I will make woe man. Ah, okay. <laughs> and then God said, it was very good. It's the only thing that God says was very good. The rest was just good. So ladies, take note. So God gives Adam this instruction to rule, to tend to the garden, to be in charge, to work it. But he also gives him this instruction to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was even before Eve was there. Nowhere in the Bible do we read that God gave that command to Eve. He only gave it to Adam. So I want you to read with me quickly Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man. And just listen what happened in this moment. So if you want to open your Bible quickly, you're welcome to. Genesis chapter 3, let's read together. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? You see, that's all that the enemy can do, is he can just question what God has already said. He can just twist truth, question truth. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Do you hear the lie there? God didn't say any tree. He said the tree of knowledge. So he's, again, twisting truth. And you have to remember, Eve never heard that from God firsthand. It was her husband that explained that to her. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Listen to the serpent speaking. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, which is a lie because they were already made in his image, knowing good and evil. When the woman, listen here, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, three motivations, she took some and ate it. Now, let me stop there for a moment. So in our minds, in the like children's Bible, who of you had a children's Bible as you grew up? This picture was usually Eve there wandering on her own, and then she comes to the serpent and the tree, and then you see the picture of poor Adam sitting at home, and she brings him the apple, usually an apple. I don't know why, but they brought, she brought him an apple, and then they ate together. But listen to the scriptures. 
she also gave some to her husband. And then the most important part in this piece, who was with her. And he ate it. What is the crisis here, friends? When Adam, uh, when Eve took that first bite of the fruit, who was next to her? Adam. But he was silent. He didn't say anything. He didn't speak up. He didn't remind her, listen here, this is what, why didn't he answer the serpent on his wife's behalf? He was right next to Eve, and he said absolutely nothing. He was passive in that moment. If you go and read the Bible, you would see that every time the New Testament writer speaks about the fall of man or the sin of man, they always reference it was the fall of Adam or the sin of Adam. And I always thought to myself, why? I mean, it was Eve. <laughs> let's, be just, let's be honest for a moment. Men, have you ever thought that? Like, listen yeah. I just want to say, you know, you are beautiful and all, but it was you guys that brought us into this mess. You know, you ate from the fruit. Why do I have to pay the price, you know? Poor Adam. No, my friend, listen here. Adam was with her. Every time the Bible speaks about the sin of man, it speaks about Adam's fall. Why? There was a sin before Eve ate the fruit. That was the second sin. The first sin was the fact that Adam did not function in his original design and his original purpose. For a moment, he forgot. He put what God had said to him, what God had made him for, to protect, to cultivate, to care for. He put that aside for a moment. And what happened? His wife went out under his leadership, under his guardianship, and ate of the fruit. The first sin was not the fruit. The first sin was Adam that didn't function in that original command that God gave him. Protect, rule over, be the man of the household. Can you imagine? It's very quiet in the room. Are you tired? I hope not. Listen here. Sin entered this world because men were not functioned in their proper purpose and destiny. Listen here. That was the crisis. Can you imagine that maybe, just maybe, the remedy for this world lies within the man to start functioning in his original purpose and design. That's why the scripture says, Paul says, the second Adam, Jesus, came to redeem what Adam had lost. Jesus was the second Adam, the last Adam that actually rectified this mistake. He functioned in his purpose. He was sent to save the world. He came to seek and save the lost. 
Man, again restored in his original design, identity, and purpose for what he was created for. And he started a movement where men would again discover their true identity and start functioning in that identity as men made in the image of God. What does this kind of pressure do to us as men? This is so important because I assume that many of us, many men that are sitting in the room tonight, I don't have to even ask you. I know that many of us deep down struggle with this feeling, with this idea, am I really good enough? Am I going to be able to make it in life? Will I be able to function as a man? Do I have what it takes to lead a wife and uh, uh, care for kids and to make it in life? All of us, men, we struggle with that one question. Why? That was the first strategy of Satan in the world. Do you think he changed his strategy? No. He's still busy with that strategy. It was his first strategy. If men forget and don't believe the truth about God, who they are, what happens? Society crumbles because men are created to function in God's authority, to take ownership, to take responsibility for what is happening around them, take responsibility for their wives and their families under the leadership of God. If you want to, you know, Create disorder in the world, you start there. You start with a man. That's the enemy's plan from the beginning. And what happens is now, if men are unsure what their identity is and so they struggle to function in that identity, what happens is this masculine energy that has been given to us by God is suppressed or it becomes distorted. So I want to quickly just highlight, and sorry, this is going to get serious very quickly, but we're going to get to the good stuff now. But what happens when a man is not functioning in his true identity and he's suppressing this male energy, masculine energy inside of him? The first thing is you get controlling men. Men that feel powerless on the inside and then overcompensate for that on the outside with aggression. So they are masters in manipulation. They try to avoid stuff that they're not sure they can handle. They trust no one deeply. They always want to make sure that people perceive them in a favorable light. They are quick to offer opinions and slow to listen. They really don't care about other people deeply. If they show interest in you, it's probably because they want something from you. That's a kind of category of men that are unmanly men. They become controlling. The second thing is destructive men. So deep down inside, they're very angry at life and just at themselves. So they become abusive men. Their words and actions harm people. Their family members are the guys who actually experience this the, the soonest because they are probably too scared to admit that this guy is really destructive. They have a veneer of goodness and uh, they are very sociable, but they compensate with like these small portions of poison. They are probably sarcastic, they are mean, they are violent, 
And just to say, that's not the only destructive meme that we get. We get the other side as well. And that is where men are not giving what they are supposed to give. They withhold that. They become passive. It's the sin of omission. They stand back. They run away. They hide. It's the same issue. They are very angry on the inside. And then last category, category, you get selfish men. They live with this internal battle. I'm not good enough. I'm not going to make it in life. And then they become addicted men. They see life without any resolution or escape, only relief. So they numb this pain inside with pleasure. So they are only committed to their own well-being. What a sad picture of manhood. Controlling men, destructive men, selfish men. So the million-dollar question tonight, what does it then mean to be a man of God? Can I just ask you quickly to take a breath, deep breath with me? What does it mean? The first thing, it doesn't mean that he's perfect. Ladies, sorry. You're going to marry a normal guy from Fichard Park. He's not from Hollywood. He's not from... Uh, he's probably not going to be a TikTok model. He's just going to be a normal guy from the free state. He's not perfect. Girls, get that picture out of your mind. He's a human being. He's got issues. And you also have issues. <laughs> He's going to stink sometimes. Deal with it. He's going to fart in your bed. Get over it. Make a competition and, you know, eat beans and, you know, just... Give him some, you know, gas. <laughs> gas. Yo, yo, yo. You see, we are so easy, easily, you know, we, our minds go to the thing of what does it mean to be a man of God? And we have these attributes. He's selfless, you know, he's controlled, he's sensitive, he's responsible, he's got this, uh, you know, um, knowledge of the word, he's this incredible hero of the faith, and he's attractive, and he's. David and he can sing and write songs and but let's not go there tonight I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna go to the attributes of what it means to be a man of God sorry because the issue lies much deeper it lies within the identity of a man the inner being of what it means to be masculine there is also where the issue is, but there is also the solution. So, maybe you'll be disappointed with these three points. I don't care <laughs> because it's helpful. And I hope, men, that this will motivate you tonight to discover your true identity again. A man of God. What does it mean to be a man of God? Firstly, it needs to be, he needs to be born again. Anyone saying hallelujah on that? He needs to be born again. He needs to be saved in Christ. You see, by nature, men are spiritually dead. 
just as women. We are dead spiritually because of that first sin. We lost our true identity. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that you will not hear. That's our issue. We've been separated from the God who is supposed to form our identity. We are not able to see who God made us to be if we are not born again. If you are not saved in Christ Jesus, you won't have the capacity to even start to discover your true identity. It's in that moment of rebirth. What does it mean to be born again? Let's read John 3 verse 3. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What does that mean? It means every man on this planet has got maleness because you've been born into a family. You carry their DNA. You carry their name. But there's a moment when Christ comes into your life and He saves you from your fallen DNA and identity of sin. He saves you out of that bloodline and He you are born again into a new bloodline, which is the bloodline of Jesus. You now have His DNA. You have a new spirit. You have a new soul. You are, for the first time, in communication with God. You can have a relationship with Him. You are born again from death to life. Does that mean you're perfect? No, it just means you have new life. You are born again. So the first thing, a man of God is born again. Amen. Number two, a man of God is someone who submits to the leadership of God. <laughs> yes. Ooh. You see, every man has got a master in his life. What does that mean? Do you remember that poem, Evictus? I am the captain of my soul. Every man has got a captain in his life who tells him what to do, who makes decisions for him. Every man on this planet who calls the shots, who give guidance to him. No man on his own can make decisions. He's always listening to someone. It might be his own voice sometimes, it might be other people. It might even be the devil. Every man has got a master. You can be saved and still have another master. It's that moment of when you are born again and you say, Lord, you are my, Jesus, you are my what? My Lord and Savior or my Savior and Lord. The saving part speaks of being born again, but the lordship part speaks of he's the king in your life. He's the leader in your life. He's the one that's got authority over your life. He's the one who gives guidance to your life. I submit under his word. Listen to Proverbs 9 verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. It's a man who's saying, Lord, I am not going to take one step forward in life if I am not led by your leadership. 
It's a guy who says, I follow Christ with my whole heart. I want his insight. I want his guidance. I want his wisdom in my life. His word is my number one authority in life. Does that mean he's perfect? No. It means he has a Lord that he's following. He submits under the leadership of God. When he makes decisions, when he leads his wife, when he goes to work, when he disciplines his kids, he's asking this question, Lord, what do you want me to do? You are the Lord of my life. I don't want to make decisions on my own. Give me insight, Jesus. I want to be a good representation of your lordship. He's born again. He submits under the leadership of God. And number three, he is maturing in faith. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, Paul writes, he says, And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed. What does that mean? Changed. Into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What is Paul getting at here? He's saying when you are born again, when you are under the leadership of God, he's putting his Spirit inside of you. And the Spirit is starting a process of renewal and transformation within you. He's making you into the image of the Son. He's building in you this true identity through His Word, through His Spirit, through His people. He's forming Christ in you. He's bringing you unto maturity in faith. Does that mean you're perfect? No, it means year after year after year, you are slowly moving in the direction of your original identity in Christ. This year, you are swearing 20 words a day. Next year, you are swearing 10 words a day. That is sanctification. <laughs> okay, if you're swearing, I'm not saying you can swear 10 words a day. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> what I am saying is, a man who is born of the Spirit, who's under God's leadership, is constantly growing in faith, growing to maturity. Year after year, he's becoming more like Christ. Firstly, in the thing of knowing God. We, in Doxodeo, we speak about these three concepts when we speak about discipleship. Knowing God, loving people, impacting your world. A man of God is someone who's constantly growing in knowing God, intimacy with God, knowing the Word, studying the Word. It's also a man who's actively killing the sin in his life. Does that mean you, you have to be sinless? No, there's no reference of that in the Bible. But the Bible says if you are under God's leadership, you will make war against the sin in your life. No one says amen on that. <laughs> Why? Because you see it as a counter power 
in terms of your true identity. You see it as something that is, you know, copying away at who you are in Christ. So, also, growing in your love for people. If you ever want to see what a mature Christian looks like, this is the, you know, the instrument that we use. Is he growing in his love for people? What do I mean by that? Grace with people. Patience with people. He's growing to see the true value of people. He's seeing people as God's special design, creation. He's treating people with the value that Christ sees in them. He's serving people. He's looking beyond his own interests and he's growing year by year in serving the people around him. And thirdly, he's impacting his world. He's starting to see himself as the answer to God's work in this world. He's putting his name on the list to say, Lord, use me. Use me to bring faith to my community. Use me to bring faith to my family and my friendship groups. God, use me to bring hope to a broken generation. God, use me to bring love to the pain in our city. I'm available to be used by you in your kingdom. Year after year, this year, this guy might say, I'm signing up to serve in church. Next year, he's maybe saying, listen here, I want to impact the city with God's good news. Give me a space to do that. The year after that, he's actually raising up others to do the same. Year after year, growing in faith. Man, listen here, guy, buta, sien. Listen here. Have you fallen for a mediocre identity? Have you maybe fallen into the trap of Adam as seeing yourself as less than what God intended you to be? Are you making peace with the fact that you just, you know, just a man. I want to preach from Lion King. Simba, you are more than what you have become. Remember who you are. Men, remember who you are. One of my favorite scenes in Narnia is that moment where the little girl, what's her name, Lucy, is it Lucy? She comes to Mrs. Beaver and she asks her, what is Aslan like? Is he safe? Mrs. Beaver answers, no, he's not safe, but he's good. Men, you're not safe but you are good. Don't ever fall for the lies of the enemy in your life. Don't ever fall into the trap of shame and guilt. Yes, Eugene, but you don't know me behind closed doors. Well, I don't have to know what you are behind closed doors because I know the God who created you. 
your behavior has got nothing to do with your original design and with your original identity. It's because you have fallen for a mediocre view of who you are. You are a son of the king. You are not safe. You are good. God wants to raise you up to be a man of God. Not perfect. Sorry, ladies. Someone who's born again, who submits under God's leadership. And I can't remember the third one. <laughs> Maturing in the faith. Thank you, France. With that, I'm done. So I want us to stand and just sing for a moment. And men, I want you to just connect to Jesus for a moment and say, Lord, come and remind me again. Father, it's Father's Day. And there's no one else in this world that can affirm your identity as a man but the Father. He knows who you are. He created you in His image. He knows the truth about you. Won't you stand with me? I want to pray for us. And then we're going to respond with a last song. Jesus, thank you for the incredible work on the cross. Thank you that you are the second Adam. You are the last Adam, God, that broke this curse of men not understanding who they are and functioning in their original created identity. God, I ask, Lord, that if there are men here tonight who's not born again, that they would call out in faith right now that you would save them, Lord, that you would give them new life and new identity, God, that they will be born anew into the bloodline of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for men who's struggling at the moment with so many decisions, with so many challenges in life. I pray, God, that they would bow the knee tonight before Jesus to say, Lord, you are my leader. You are the master of my soul. You are the captain of my soul, Jesus. I want to follow you wholeheartedly, God. Lord, I pray for men who's struggling in their faith tonight, God, struggling to conquer sin, struggling to live out their faith, God, that you would come and just come and bless them tonight with a new piece of hope and joy and faith because you are not done with us yet, Lord. You are busy. And God, we stand on that promise in Philippians that says, if you started this good work in us, Lord, you will take it to completion. That's my prayer over us tonight in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.